Pray with me, gentlemen. <clears throat> Father, we love you. We love you because uh, you have shown us just enough of your face and your grace that gives us the courage to come clean with our failures, our struggles. Thank you for my brother. Thank you for his love for you. And I thank you for his struggle that he offers to us this morning. <clears throat> and Lord, uh, me too. Me too. We all too. Uh, we know, Lord, that we stand uh, before you as broken men. And it's in our brokenness that your grace covers us like a tsunami. And I pray right now, Lord, that uh, my brother would feel your grace uh, through us, would feel your love through us, and would see your eyes through our eyes. And that he would uh, move um, deeper into the intimate walk with you that we talk about here. And it would bring healing to him. And that the intimacy that he looks for uh, in less than adequate lovers would be found deeply in you. And I pray that for every one of us in this room. Thank you for our brother. Thank you for our time this morning, Lord. Move in us and through us in a way that brings honor and glory to you and healing to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, man. Thank you, Joe. Morning, gentlemen. It is uh, good to be back with you. Uh, I'm grateful for my brother, uh, Roan, uh, for pinch hitting at the last minute. You know, it's kind of like you're in the middle of the ninth inning and somebody looks over and says, grab a bat. And uh, Roan uh, jumped in. <clears throat> um, I have to uh, acknowledge that I was taking directions from a bunch of women and dude, that that'll kind of get you in a crazy place you know i was i was trying to see clients on wednesday and <clears throat> excuse me my phone was blowing up and, and uh, you know you got to get here you got to get here you got to get here and you know uh i'm i'm uh, doing the best i can to try to stay focused on the people that have come for help uh that think that i care about them trying trying to trying to actually execute that and listen to a bunch of women uh, on my phone. So you know how that goes. And so I pulled the plug uh, to uh, get on the road and um, it was a crazy travel day. So grateful for my birthday weekend uh, in Dallas uh, with the sorority house. <laughs> so thank you, Rome. Guys, I'm, um, again, I I thank, thank uh, Joe for, for your honesty and openness. And guys, that, that's what this thing is about. That's what it's about. Uh, there's not a man in this room, uh, unless you're lying, uh, that cannot understand and appreciate and respect Joe's struggle. And uh, I, I wish that deer camp could break out in this room right now and uh, we'd just build a fire and uh, sit in the circle and um, allow God's grace and his love uh, to flood us. And that's what this is about. We've been doing this now for 14 years in this room, been doing deer camp for uh, going on 21 years, 21 years, and it never gets old. We had uh, fish camp um, uh, down in Fairhope uh, weekend before last. Didn't get a chance to, to mention that to you. 
And, um, you know, just one uh, question. I mean, the guys who have been um, to deer camp and fish camp will understand this. We're, we're going through the guidelines on Friday night like we always do. He's a new guy. And he asked the question, I mean, he's in a world of hurt, um, world of hurt. And, and, and he, he um, uh, has come there with very little understanding of even what he's come to because he had just been invited to come to Friday morning that morning, showed up at our men's group on Friday morning, real to real, never even heard of fish camp. And the guy who brought him to the Friday morning deal said, well, you need to go to fish camp. And so, you know, seven hours later, he's at fish camp. And we're going through the guidelines and, 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 and he, I can't remember exactly how he framed the question, but it was basically, you know, my world is chaotic. I'm in a world of hurt. What am I going to do? What's the answer? And now uh, one of the alumni looks at him and says, um, community, seeing God's grace in community. And the guy looked at him and says, that's all you got. That's it. And, and the guy says, yeah, that's it. So he goes through the whole weekend. It's a powerful weekend. Sunday morning, we're sitting in the circle, as we always do, just sharing openly. And the guy speaks up with tears in his eyes. And he says, I get it now. It's community. Seeing the eyes of Jesus through men in this circle. And my life has changed. That's what he shared. Guys, it never gets old because it's real. It's real. I've seen it. I've tasted it. I've hugged it and I've touched it. The image of Jesus through men in this room. It is a powerful, powerful expression of the grace of God. So this morning, I want to offer you a song. I love Zach Williams. Uh, and I, this is this can't be original with me. It feels like it's original, but you know I've, I've been deceived before thinking I had an original thought. But Zach Williams has got to be the Chris the Christians uh, uh, Chris Stapleton, right? I love Zach Williams. And this song I want to offer you this morning. Uh, look at the words there on the back of your notes. Less like me. I want to be who God created me to be rather than the me that I've been living out. Follow the words. I'll just read uh, just a little bit of this. Oh, I have days I lose the fight. Try my best, but just don't get it right. Where I talk, a talk that I don't walk and miss the moments right before my eyes. Somebody with a hurt that I could have helped. Somebody with a hand that I could have held. When I just can't see past myself, Lord, help me be a little more like mercy, a little more like grace, a little more like kindness, goodness, love, and faith, a little more like patience, a little more like peace, a little more like Jesus, a little less like me. And I would just add the me that is the false self, not the me that is the real self. So I would just kind of tweak those words. Make sure you understand that God doesn't want you to be any less than who he created you to be, your real self, not your false self. 
May you hear the voice of God. <clears throat>
Act like men. Be strong. Words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Follow with me as we read our introductory paragraph. The power of relationship to restore and renovate us. Isaiah 58, 12. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew. Rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything. Restore old ruins. Rebuild and renovate. Make the community livable again. Restoration of our soul comes when we begin our relationship with God through his son, Jesus. Restoration of our heart and mind continues because of this secure, attached relationship. It's not about your behavior. It's about your connection. So much Christian teaching tends to focus on right beliefs and right choices as the key to personal growth. But biblical evidence and modern brain science show that our character is shaped more by whom we love than what we believe. Love changes everything. The book of Isaiah will help us see how the promise of salvation would come through the Messiah. But in addition to bringing pardon for sin, intimate relationship with Jesus renovates us wholly, mind, will, and emotion. Changed forever. This study is about showing how we can train our brains to relate to God based on a joyful mutual connection with Jesus, which will lead to emotional, relational, and spiritual maturity. So this morning, um, I'm going to give you the transformation puzzle. Give you the pieces of the puzzle. Now, there's two puzzles here that we're going to look at. One puzzle has three pieces. It's like that kindergarten puzzle, you know, uh, three pieces, put it together. Okay. So everybody's got a chance to put the puzzle together. And then the other puzzle that we're going to look at has 19 pieces. That's a little more complicated. The pieces get a little smaller, lots of moving parts. So before we get into the puzzle, pick up your pen. Let's go to work. Let's engage. I have three questions for you. <clears throat> First question, again, keeping in mind that this whole series is about transformation. It's about change. It's about renovation, being restored to what God intended. So here's my question. What is holding you back in your journey toward wholeness? <clears throat> what would you say is holding you back? Fear. What is holding you back? Now, I want to tease that out just a little bit. Continue to write and just, a, you know, what comes to your mind, what God brings to your mind. Put it on paper. That's how this works. But just to give you a little more structure to that question, I would say there's three things that you need to consider in terms of your journey toward becoming whole. Um, number one, what skills do you need? And that's the how. What skills? How do I do that? How, how do I love? How do I forgive? How, how, how? So what skills? So you might start to consider. And again, obviously you don't know what you don't know, but you know how you find out what you don't know? You ask somebody that loves you and cares about you. How about your wife? Again, don't ask the question. 
if you don't want to know the answer. Got any other recommendations? <laughs> <laughs> well, well said. Yeah, that's right. Is there is there another thought on that? Uh, right, Steve? That's great. Uh, well said. Second, second piece of, uh, of that puzzle is, is intimacy, and, and I'd call that the what. What is intimacy? Um, somehow, if I'm going to get toward wholeness, I, I've got to embrace intimacy. Intimacy, intimacy, into you see, into us see. So that's the what. What is intimacy? And again, I'm in a men's group, so once again, we have to do the disclaimer. When I say the word intimacy, I'm not talking about sex. You know, sex is a wonderful thing, but you can have sex and not have an intimate bone in your body. Not at all. Um, intimacy is about seeing, really experiencing, understanding, knowing, knowing, deeply knowing. And then, and then thirdly, you know, on your journey, I would say, uh, number one is, is skills number two, not, not necessarily in that order, but skills, intimacy, and then community. You got to be on a team and that's the who. So the how are skills, what skills do I need to learn? Uh, the what is the intimacy of, I've, I've, I've got to figure that out. I've got to, uh, to spend some time in that. And then number three, I've got to have a who. Who are you hanging out with? Who's your team? The community. Second question. What relationship has benefited you the most in your recovery? Put that down. In your personal growth, what relationship has benefited you the most? Some of you uh, are fortunate enough to be able to say my dad. And yet I would say in my experience in working with men all the years that I have is that that's the minority in this room, not the majority. We long to be blessed by our dads and God set that up because our dads are God until we get to be about four or five years old and probably actually about six or seven when we can start making that abstract connection to, to God. But dad's God when we're little. Some of you may uh, be privileged enough to answer that with my wife. My wife's really helped me in my recovery, but you know, more often than not, she'll drive you to drink. <laughs> That's how you wind up in my office, uh, typically a Rome's office. It's like, doggone it, I kept thinking that she was gonna help me grow. Uh, she's kicking me out of the house. I'm afraid when I get home, every, all my fishing poles are gonna be in the driveway. Yeah, something like that. The way I would answer that, guys, personally, and I, and, I, and, I, and I do believe that you have written, many of you have written this on your page this morning. The way I would write, uh, uh, write that um, is the many, um, uh, friendships with men uh, that I've had and do have. My good friend Phil Dix, many others in this room. Uh, that that's how I've seen God, experienced God. I've read His Word and I love His Word, and God reveals Himself and makes Himself known through His Word. Um, the special revelation of Jesus. 
I know, I know the story of Jesus, but it is when I sit in the circle, sit a, a, across from men that love Jesus and read God's word that I truly, truly experience a relational connection that changes my life and has changed my life. And I just, I just don't think we teach it enough. I, I feel like I don't teach it enough. And yet I, I'd like to think that that's what my life is kind of about. That's the legacy of my life, helping men to sit together and be connected to one another. You gotta be on a team. You gotta be in a relationship. You gotta take your me problem and make it a we solution. That's how, that's how it works. It's my problem. I gotta take it to a we. Third question. What skill, knowing how, do you need to learn to move forward in your journey toward wholeness? And, you know, again, that's kind of a duplication in a sense of question one, but I would, but I would say this. Um, in that third question, what I would begin to do is I would ask your wife, your friends, those that love you, what do you see in me that is lacking in my pursuit of wholeness, godliness, being my true self, my best self. What do you see? You see that anger issue that my wife keeps bringing up? Do you see my passivity? Do you see my procrastination? Somehow I, I just, I can't initiate. I don't initiate. Um, and, and that's something broken because I guarantee God uh, that God, the architect, made you to initiate. That's how he makes a man. A man is a warrior. He's a fighter, and if you don't fight, you're broken for some reason. All behavior has a reason. Sometimes we need to dig in there and dig out the cancerous uh, emotional damage in order to be free. Isaiah, turn over to Isaiah chapter one, let's dig in. Isaiah, the masterpiece of the Old Testament gives us such a great pattern. Now I wanna show you a, a resource and I've been meaning to show you this. It's been on your notes all along and I keep forgetting. So hallelujah, I remembered. Uh, blind squirrel finds an acorn. Uh, a resource that's been on your notes all along and you, you just go to the link is the Bible Project. Bible Project is such a great resource uh, out there. And uh, I want Jeff just to show, this is like uh, uh, eight or nine minutes. I just want Jeff to show just a couple of minutes. And this will give you an overview of chapters one through 39 of Isaiah. Watch this, the Bible project, Isaiah. The book of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah lived in Jerusalem in the latter half of Israel's kingdom period, and he spoke on God's behalf to the leaders of Jerusalem and Judah. He spoke, first of all, a message of God's judgment. He warned Israel's corrupt leaders that their rebellion against their covenant with God would come at a cost, that God was going to use the great empires of Assyria and after them Babylon to judge Jerusalem if they persisted in idolatry and oppression of the poor. 
But that announcement was combined with a message of hope. Isaiah believed deeply that God would one day fulfill all of his covenant promises, that he would send a king from David's line to establish God's kingdom, remember 2 Samuel 7, that he would lead Israel in obedience to all of the laws of the covenant made at Mount Sinai, remember Exodus chapter 19. And all of this was so that God's blessing and salvation would flow outward to all of the nations, like God promised to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And it's this hope that compelled Isaiah to speak out against the corruption and idolatry of Israel in his day. I would strongly encourage you to, uh, to look at that. I'll give you a, a great overview. But I want to dive in this morning um, to Isaiah chapter 1, which is a microcosm of the whole book. Again, there's another link there that, um, I mean, Isaiah uh, is not a chronological book. It's a series of sermons uh, that's gathered by Isaiah. And even, uh, you know, there's been debate that there's two authors of Isaiah because the first 39 chapters are so different than 40 through 66, but it's like two books. And again, it mimics or mirrors the scripture as a whole. How many books in the Old Testament? 39. How many is in the first part of Isaiah? 39. How many books in the New Testament? Um, 27. How many chapters uh, in the latter part of Isaiah? 27. So it's, it's really a masterpiece um, of, of God's message to us. And it all along, God is saying, there's judgment going to happen. Bad things happen as you continue to live out disobedience. But he never gives that message without giving a way out. God always makes a way. He always makes a way. Look at Isaiah chapter 1. Um, again, just a microcosm of the whole book. These, these, um, this first part, let's just jump down after the introduction there to verse 2. God wants intimacy. Again, he wants your heart, not your behavior. Now, certainly your behavior um, uh, demonstrates your heart. But if you're trying to behave your way to a good heart, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that you come and get your heart changed. You get a new heart. You, you take the heart of stone out is the imagery that God uses um, in the new covenant. And he's going to put a heart of flesh or a soft heart. Listen to this. Heaven and earth, you're the jury. Listen to God's case. I had children and raised them well, and they turned on me. Now there's fathers in this room that could identify with just that imagery that God gives. I've got these wayward children, and he's talking about the Israelites. He's talking about you and me. The ox knows who's boss. The mule knows the hand that feeds him, but not Israel. The implication is they're stupid. They're fools. My people don't know up from down. Shame, misguided, God dropout, staggering under their guilt baggage, Villainous gang, band of vandals. And then, and then in this last part here, verse four, my people have walked out on me, their God, turned their backs on the holy of Israel. 
walked off and never looked back. Guys, there is one pain that I believe in all the universe is greater than any other pain. You know what that is? In my mind, it's betrayal. I see it, I see it in my office. It's so tragic. A wife, a husband has given their heart to another and then they're betrayed, an affair, acting out. Um, and that's what God's saying. I mean, in Jeremiah, God uses language like, you, you guys are whores. You're, 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 you've given yourself away. But what God continues to ask for us every day, and he's asking from the Israelites, is change. And what change is about is repentance. It's like I'm headed east. I need to go west. I was headed north. I need to go south. That's a hard decision sometimes. But, it, but as I look out over this room, man, it is a joy that comes to my heart when I know many of your stories and I know how you've made a 180. Now, again, don't do like the female client that had my office. You know, it's like, okay, this is really good. I'm going to do a 360. <laughs> I knew she'd be back. <laughs> Verse five, this is the change. Why bother even trying to do anything with you? When you just keep to your bullheaded ways, you keep beating your heads against brick walls, everything within you protests against you, from the bottom of your feet to the top of your head, nothing's working right. Wounds and bruises and running sores, unattended, unwashed, unbandaged. Your country is laid waste. Your city's burned down. Your land is destroyed by outsiders while you watch, reduced to rubble bar, uh, by barbarians. Daughter Zion is deserted. Like a tumbleweed shack on a dead-end street. Like a tar paper shanty on the wrong side of the tracks like a sinking ship abandoned by the rats. I mean, the imagery here is powerful. If God of the angel armies hadn't left us a few survivors, we'd be as desolate as Sodom, doomed like Gomorrah. Because all through that is the implication um, beyond intimacy is what we started with, of course. And what he's saying there in that second part is you've got to change. You've got to repent. And guys, every day, we need to make sure that we're headed in the right direction toward the sun. S-O-N. Toward the sun. And then finally. Go back and reread what section again? Uh, I'm not. I'm not following you. In the verse, in the verse five. Read it. You read it. Read it loud. It says everything within you protests against you. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We are rebellious people. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, Kevin. We're the target. We're the, we end up being the target. Yeah. 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 Again, we can turn on ourselves. Um, and it's so sad because that's what the enemy wants. That's what the enemy wants. He wants us 
to be so convinced that we are such damaged goods that we cannot be healed. And we hate ourselves. I've in, in my office and Kevin, I, I so much appreciate you uh, bringing us back over that. Where I see that in my office is when people are in trauma and they will have a trigger and they will go into um, traumatic chaos and they will, I mean, it's like demon possession, you know, they will be yelling, I hate you. I, and I mean, it's venomous. I've had that directed at me. I've seen it directed at a spouse and it's just like, it is such evil that is in this person because of the hurt, the shame and the betrayal that they're experiencing. And it's just like, that's not what God wants to do with us. He wants to heal that, to restore that, to bring us into an intimate relationship. So this is the final part. And this final part is, is, is again, as it's a microcosm of the whole book, what God keeps pointing us toward in the midst of his judgment or his uh, calling us out of our failures is I'm looking for your heart. Now, this language here is so incredible. We, we need to remember this. Verse 10, listen to my message, you Sodom school leaders. Uh, receive God's revelation, you Gomorrah school people. Why this frenzy of sacrifices? I would, I would call that do-gooders. Why, why, why you do-gooders? God's asking, don't you think I've had my fill of burnt sacrifices, rams, and plump grain-fed calves? Don't you think I've had my fill of blood from bulls, lambs, and goats? When you come before me, whoever gave you the idea of acting like this, running here and there, doing this and that, all this sheer commotion in the place provided for worship, I'm not interested. It's all for show. Now listen to this, verse 13. Quit your worship charades. I can't stand your trivial religious games, monthly conferences, weekly Sabbaths, special meetings, 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 meetings. I can't stand one more. Meetings for this, meetings for that. I hate them. You've worn me out. I'm sick of your religion, religion, religion. While you go right on sinning, when you put on your next prayer performance, I'll be looking the other way. Guys, guys, he just wants us to bow the knee. He wants an intimate relationship. He wants our heart. It's like what your wife, my wife says to me, you know, I'm not interested in, in you just out there working hard. And I don't know who you are. I don't feel your presence. And it, it's, it's so hard for my, when my wife says that to me. And she said that to me. She wants me. And that's what God says. No matter how long or loud or often you pray, I will not be listening. And do you know why? Because you've been tearing people to pieces and your hands are bloody. You treat one another crazily. Go home, wash up, clean up your act, sweep your lives clean of evil doings so I don't have to look at them any longer. Say no to wrong, learn to do good, work for justice, help the down and out, stand up for the blameless, go to bat for the defenseless. And then once again is the hope as, as there's finger pointing on God's part and judgment, 
he brings to hope. Now listen to this. Always, God always makes a way. And he can be really harsh. He can, he can put that finger in our chest and say, mm-mm, mm-mm. But then he says this beautifully. Come, sit down. Let's argue this out. This is God's message. If your sins are blood red, they'll be snow white. If they're red like crimson, they'll be like wool. If you'll willingly obey, you'll feast like kings. But if you're willful and stubborn, you'll die like dogs. That's right. God says so. God always makes a way. He can be harsh. He's a jealous lover. He ain't sharing his uh, glory with anybody. But he's gracious and forgiving. Isaiah. And what Isaiah promises is once again transformation. And there's three big pieces to this puzzle. There's skills, brain skills, there's this intimate walk with God. And then number three is community or being on a team. So I've got to learn some skills. I've got to get my brain right. I've got to get my head straight. I've got to learn to walk with God in an intimate way. And I've got to be on a team. I've got to be on a team. Now, there on your page are 19 small pieces of this puzzle. And there's a resource there that's on your handout that comes from Thrive uh, Ministries. And um, they have researched what are uh, 19 relational brain skills that must be learned. And um, I'm going to go through this just you know, progressively and touch on these, but the, the whole resource is there available to you. But the first resource is joy. We were made for joy. And when a child looks into a mother's eyes, a newborn, they begin to take in mom's joy. You don't sit the child in a room by itself and teach them uh, joy. Now be joyful, be joyful. It's like joy is caught in the eyes of another. And that's the way scripture portrays it. Jesus talked about joy consistently. I bring you joy. I bring you joy. Now, as we close, I want to show it to you. You know, I believe that joy is better um, understood by seeing it than trying to explain it. You're going to see joy right here. Everybody loves the movie Patch Adams. Watch this. This is joy. Hi. Hi. What's your name? Cameron. Hi, Cameron. I'm Patch.
I am cold. Just a bit of a cold. Is my nose red? Oh, it is. It's red. I don't either. Let's find out. Taxi! Play on you. It's working very well. Nothing like a Pharisee showing up in the hospital ward. <laughs> Guys, um, Jesus talked about joy. Joy is simply put, is nothing more and nothing less than celebrating somebody walking into your presence. I am so glad to see you. Welcome. And we wear that out at Deer Camp, don't we, Joe? Now, I've been asked that. Why, why do you say the same thing to everybody? Because I mean it. Welcome. And nobody doesn't like hearing it. Now, it may sound crazy that we say it to everybody, but when it's said to you, I guarantee there's a spark in your heart. Listen to what Jesus says in John 15. I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature. This is my command, love one another the way I loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends. You are my friends when you do these things. I command you, I'm, I'm no longer calling you servants because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. No, I've named you friends because I've let you in on everything I've heard from the Father. I am so glad to see you. Guys, when you walk home tonight, 
when you walk into your house tonight, will you be joyful to see those that you see? Will they be joyful to see you? Or will you bring a sourness and a toxicity and a negativity into your house that is worse than toxic mold? Gentlemen, we have been called to be friends. We have been called and invited to be joyful. The most significant internal indicator of your being a Jesus follower is your consistent experience of joy. You think about that. Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you. I thank you for welcoming us into this room this morning. I thank you for the power of your holy word, your presence moving in us this morning in, in, a, in a corporate training room. Lord, you have shown up. We believe you. We trust you. Make us your uh, representatives, your vice regents of this incredible message, the gospel that you've given us. We love you and we thank you for our time this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.